What's up, everyone? Excited about pod number five with Syracuse alum Nicole Levy. Nicole is one of the great shooters in women's lacrosse, but more importantly, she focuses on how she's developed her IQ for the game as well as learning from the best players she's played with. We're excited for you guys to listen as she's progressed as a player and as a coach. Hope you guys enjoy. I guess the first question we could talk about is uh, sort of what you're up to. Uh, obviously, just graduated from Syracuse. Um, how's that? How's that going? How's it balancing work? I know you're working in Long Island right now. Uh, just tell us about yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, I just graduated Cuse, and uh, I was fortunate enough to get this job, and uh, I'm the assistant coach at Colorado now, which has been so much fun and. I think, you know, going through the job finding process for me, it was, it was a little stressful, but um, I had a couple of offers and I think the reason I chose Colorado other than being a beautiful, beautiful state was um, our head coach, um, Ann Elliott Witten, and she, she's awesome. And she has taught me so much the past few months and which I think is super important, you know, cause I'm not just like somebody who's in the coaching game just for now, you know, this is my career. This is what I love to do. It's my passion. So you know, learning from her and learning underneath her has been incredible. And I know our season was cut short and we only had five games, but I know there's so much more for me to learn from her. So that's kind of where I'm at now. And I wouldn't trade it in for the world. I mean, it, I definitely wish that we could have, you know, continued our season and had that run in the NCAA tournament. But um, it is what it is. And we're just trying to get better every day, as I'm sure everyone else is. And, you know, looking forward to that 2021 season now. Definitely. So uh, I guess with that, uh, you said it's your passion to coach. And did that start on from an early age or did you develop that in college? Like, hey, I want to I want to coach lacrosse. How did that start? So, I mean, basically going through my childhood, I started playing lacrosse when I was about three years old, right when I could really hold a stick. I put a little bit of men's with my cousins, always was messing around the backyard. And uh, my dad was actually a coach. He coached a local men's varsity team and around I think when I was in about sixth grade, he switched over to the girls' side. He was actually my varsity coach. And it was just always something where in my life, it was like kind of hard for me to find confidence off the field. But when I, every time I stepped on that field, you know, the confidence just like grew within me and it was such a comfort like feeling and that passion just developed over and over, um, over time. And I think that for me, it was really all about the confidence it gave me. So that kind of just drove me to want to pursue that in a career standpoint and also kind of, now me looking at the other side and being a coach, I kind of want to just continue kind of instilling that confidence in my players as it, the game really gave me. So that's like my main goal. I like it. How, um, a, how, how old is the women's program at Colorado? And then B, what was like the process for you to kind of find a coaching job once you got out of college? And what was that kind of like versus getting recruited as a player in college? And once you graduated, trying to find a coaching role, and then how'd you kind of find Colorado? Was there any, anywhere else you were kind of thinking about, or just what was that process like for you? Yeah, so our um, our program's actually only about seven years old, I believe. We started in, well, Ann Elliott started it in 2014, and that's what really drove me here, especially because knowing that I want to be a coach and that I, for a career path, it was the smartest move that I believed. You know, because to learn under her who has started this program and it's only to be like six, seven years old to be where we are and to be a top 25, you know, team competing in the NCAA tournament the last three years is like something super, super special. And I think it's also important that we're in the Pac-12. So 
everyone talks about, you know, growing the game, growing the game. And I think in order to do that, it's a, it's a very heavily recruited East Coast kind of sport to be able to move that into the Pac-12 and to look at our roster and see all these girls from California, you know, like um, all these other other places in the world. It's, it's super important for me now to know that people talk about growing the game, but I feel like we're actually doing it, um, which is super, super cool. But um, going through the recruiting process as a player was, I feel like, it was a lot less stressful because I felt like more at the time that these schools, you know, where they were after us, it was their job to kind of get in touch with us and, and to do Mm -hmm. that type of stuff. But as a coach, you know, I was really trying to sell myself and going through all these different interview processes that were like, you know, um, just, it was just, it was different, but it was, again, it's, you look at it in the same thing, either way, it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's lacrosse. That's what it is. And I started because it was fun. I love it because it's fun. I coach because I know how much fun it is. So, I mean, yes, the, the, um, the process of finding a job as a coach was a little stressful, but at the same time, you think about it and you think it's just lacrosse and we love it and I'm passionate about it. And I know I have the IQ for it and I'm confident again, and it all comes down to that confidence. I'm confident in myself when it comes to playing, when it comes to coaching. So I knew that this was definitely going to be the, uh, you know, the route for me to take when it comes to a career. That's very cool. It's really interesting actually to hear that side of things to obviously be on the getting recruited side and now recruiting. Uh, could you d- dive into a little bit of that? It's just, I guess the mentality you talked about selling yourself as a coach and as a program, uh, just in terms of that, is it just a lot harder in that standpoint? Obviously you had to work for it in high school and do everything you could uh, but it, you're in a different spot. Could you talk about sort of that difference a little bit? Yeah, totally. I mean, when it comes to being a player, it's, it's, you know, it's super simple. You look, you look and you're recruiting and you see a kid, you know, uh, kind of getting out of their comfort zone, which is exactly what I was about, you know, mm-hmm. um, going through the process, not, not many people, if any, not many women in our sport, if any shot from the outside. And I feel like I really, um, you know, took that, into consideration in my process and I I thought of myself you know going through the recruiting process and I looked at myself and I was like hey like I'm 5'2 you know I'm not tall I'm not that strong I'm definitely not that fast a little bit of explosiveness I like to think but you know you never really know how that is um so what I had to really do was use my IQ developing and you know and I, I look at these kids now and you can tell any high school kid hey like that's great that you're fast that's great that you have a great stick you know you get to that next level everybody's gonna have that we're gonna spray you from the person sitting next to you and for that was so that's like kind of how I do being recruited um because I was recruited because of my style of play but I was also I feel like recruited because of my IQ and if you tie that into coaching obviously you you look at any coach and it's they had the best like lax IQ when it came to playing as themselves so for me it was all about that um and I don't know, I guess I just kind of, I relate the two. So when I was going through the process of recruiting, it was kind of similar to my process of finding a job because what I relied on was my, was my lax IQ and, and it yep. definitely paid out. In the end. When did you, when did you kind of start leaning on like your IQ to really elevate your game and how did you kind of start looking at that at a younger age? Um, just like looking at your, your game personally, you said you kind of have a unique style. How did you kind of develop your own strengths and your own weaknesses and kind of how did that develop? Like at what point in your career did you kind of start looking outside of just what you're physically doing on the field? Yeah. So I think in high school, I relied like mostly 
on the fact that, you know, a small school, not many people played lacrosse in my town. It was more of like a soccer town. Um, so I think for me, just in high school, it was a little different because I relied on my natural talent, my work ethic, and a little bit of my IQ. But when I moved into my freshman year at Syracuse, um, I was fortunate enough to play for Gary Gate, one of the best in the game, and also alongside Kayla Trainer, who was one of the best in the women's game, I think probably the best. And um, for me, she was a senior at the time, so what happened was she was getting double teamed, she was getting face guarded, and every time she touched the ball, the defense would shift then to her, who was playing uh, low left side at that time. And my spot was the high right side. So I think what happened was defense, I would see the defense shift, I would use my IQ to see that, I would put myself in a position where I knew that I can catch and shoot from the outside. And I also had so much trust in Kayla Trainer being the great player that she is and, you know, her vision and her unselfishness to be able to skip that ball to me every time that defense shift was when I, I was able to like use my IQ then to find that open seam, know when to release my shot. And like, I, I was looking at the goalie, but also waiting for that pass to come, kind of knowing where I was going to shoot before I even shot. Um, so it was kind of a little bit like that. Um, I think that, I think that IQ, again, like I can't stress enough how important that is when it comes to the game of lacrosse, especially the women's game, you know, just being able to see the plays before it happens is kind of what I look for and what I used to rely on. Right. You talk about sort of the IQ a ton and definitely is a huge part. I think that's what separates good players from being great players. And I guess from a, just a tangible standpoint, were there things, I maybe weaknesses or uh, your strengths that you sort of relied on, weaknesses that you tried to improve when you got to college and you're like, oh, I need to work on this. Say, hey, I'm playing with Kayla Trainer, but uh, I need to help myself uh, with this type of thing. So I guess work on those. Totally. So uh, again, going with um, back what you said, what separates the players from being good and being great. In my mind, I see, you know, a good player can make themselves look good on the field, but a great player not only makes himself look good, but can make the people around them good. And that all comes from that IQ. And I think Kayla did a great job with that my freshman year. And I wanted to be that. I wanted to do that in the years to follow. So when she left, my sophomore year came along and it was, it was tough. It was a tough adjustment because I, I kind of shifted that, that attention of the defense from, from her, like kind of went more towards my side. And it was harder for me to find that scene for that outside shot. So I worked a lot with Gary Gate and we, we talked about it a lot of becoming more of an off ball player, more of a Dodger, which was definitely a little bit of a struggle with, of mine, but you know, you, you work hard if it's something that you really want and something that you love and passionate about. And, you know, I, I, I loved my teammates and I wanted to work as hard as I could for them. So I really worked as hard as I could to become that more rather than an outside shooter. I became more of like that Dodger, more of that off ball player. Um, you know, the outside shot was still there when I wanted it. And the eight meters, of course, are huge in a women's game. So I would practice that as well. But um, I definitely had to shift from just shooting to more of like that dodging off ball role. That's awesome. In terms of uh, Gary being a great mind of the game, uh, could you share, I guess, some insights that he passed along to you? Maybe like, hey, if you're at this point in the field, maybe some specifics. I think kids would love to hear that type of stuff. Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing with um, Gary was it wasn't even like what he was teaching us necessarily. I mean, he taught us a bunch and day to day basis, but I think what separated him in, in my eyes and is why I was so drawn to Syracuse was that he allowed us to be so creative. 
you know, like I, I tell my players all the time, like you have a self-identity. You have to make yourself as a person, also as a player. And I want to make sure that all my players, you know, are like comfortable being uncomfortable. So you can, you can go out on the field and you can pass and catch. That's great. But I want you to have that knowledge and that ability and that confidence in yourself to be able to throw it behind the back when you want. And I've had coaches in the past tell me, you know, like try to steer clear of all that, you know, let's be more fundamental, try not to play sidearm. And then I, I went to a Syracuse camp um, going through the recruiting process and Syracuse wasn't even on my radar. And I right. show up to camp and we're doing partner passing first drill and, and Gary goes, all right, let's do a little bit of sidearm. And I was like, this is where I want to go. Like I was so confident in that because of his, just his natural you know, personality of just being so creative and allowing us to be as creative as he was, was super special. And I think it really allowed me as a player to grow and to reach my full potential on and, and off the field too, knowing that it's okay to try new things and again, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You've mentioned, you've mentioned kind of just like your outside shooting a lot. And obviously with the women's game compared to the men's game, like obviously the outside shooting and stuff like that isn't as like prevalent and you don't see it as much. When did you kind of start really like focusing on that and really putting that as like a cornerstone in your game? And when you did kind of start discovering that, how did you really elevate that strength and like work on that from a young age and how that kind of developed through your career? Yeah. So growing up, I was always trying to be out of the box. You know, I never wanted to be that fundamental, like, in between the shoulders type of player. So when, when you know, you, you talk to these kids and you're like, oh, make sure you're watching film. And a lot of these young girls will be like, okay, great. And they'll, they'll watch a bunch of women's games and stuff like that. For me, I grew up around the men's game. I grew up, my dad was always playing in Lake Placid. I would watch him on the sideline. All my, my guy cousins, we'd play fiddlesticks in my backyard, just like hanging out and whatever. So I tried to like kind of, I, I watched a lot of women's game, you know, Michelle Tumlo, Kayla Trainer. Um, but what I really focused on too, is I was watching not only women's, but I was watching the men's game. And I think it's super important. And I think that's when I kind of was like, Hey, I don't, I don't have to run it in, you know, five extra steps to be on top of a goalie when I'm taking a shot, I can take it from 15 yards out. Why not? And it's not, it's not me just be, it's not me being lazy, not wanting to take those five extra steps. It's me knowing that my game um, I, I might not be as explosive as the next person. So instead of trying to run it in and, tr and getting collapsed on by the defense, I saw that I can, I mean, it, why not? If I can shoot and I have that strength from the outside uh, before the defense could even close, before the goalie's even expecting a shot to come, that's kind of like when I would just unleash it. So I think for me, it was a lot of growing up around the men's game that really steered me towards that type of style of play. And um, I don't know, I guess, again, just trying to be a little bit different the next person I think that's uh I, honestly it's a great point and honestly in the past year in terms of just me coaching uh like I I love being like doing stuff outside of the box and being I I was grew up on fundamentals everything you do especially going to Maryland it's all about fundamentals getting your hands free getting that ball out and you go to the pros and it's like wow all these guys are so creative with their hands and I started to develop so many different parts of my game and I was like, why didn't I do this earlier? But I mean, a lot of people are different. Do you always preach whether you're coaching a 10 year old or a 16 year old or even a 20 year old that's in college? Do you work on those? Hey, let's get a little creative. Uh, do you think everybody should be doing it or is it a particular to people that are sort of at that level? Um, I think I think any any time really is earlier the better to start 
I think yeah. in practice is the perfect spot because you, again, I'm, I'm talking a lot about the confidence and the confidence the sport gave me. If you want confidence in this sport, um, self-confidence is the most important thing, right? And in order to obtain self-confidence, you have to do something a million, like a million times, right? So practicing will actually give you that confidence. So the more you practice behind the back and throwing it behind the back, throwing it through the legs, whatever you're going to do, the more you practice it, the more confidence you will have in a game and you'll be able to kind of like see, oh, this is a great opportunity. And, and you just do it. And I, I got to the point where in my career where I wasn't even, I had some behind the back, some through the leg goals, and I'm not even thinking about it. It just yeah. happens because you, you just practice it so many times over and over again that you just get that confidence. But again, I, I, I mean, I've, I've, done, I've trained kids all throughout high school, college, and whatever. And after my freshman year, I was getting a lot of new kids come up to me and say like, hey, I want to learn your shot. And at this point, it's like anybody can learn, but it, it might not be everybody's strength. And I, and I would explain to people, again, like I wasn't the most explosive player, so I relied on that outside shot. If I have a kid come to me who's super explosive and I know can come off that eight meter and just like two, three steps, take a shot, that might be their strength. I want them to do that. Whatever's going to get the ball in the back of the net is best, obviously. So, um, no, I don't think it's for everybody, but I think everybody can try it for sure um, in that sense. And I also think, again, with the outside shot comes – people were coming up to me like, Hey, I want to learn a shot. And it's like, well, first you don't just learn the shot. You have to make sure you have one, the scale and two, the IQ, right? You have to know where the defense is. You're, it's not very rarely in a game where you're going to stand in between the eight and the 12 and just be able to plant and, and take a shot, right? There's going to be defenders and, and uh, your own teammates running through the eight at all times. You have to have that kind of sense and that awareness to know, I probably shouldn't take the shot right now. I'm going to hit somebody. And I don't think everybody understands that. And most people think I'm just, you know, taking a shot when I, when I touch the ball, but really it's not, it's, it's more of that IQ, like that awareness um, that people need to learn before they're able to take that outside shot. And like developing, like developing that skill, how much as a, if you go back in time from say like sixth, seventh grade, whenever you started getting like really, I mean, you were saying you were playing in third grade when you were three. So obviously been pretty serious about it forever, but what was your like work ethic like when you were younger and going through high school before college and like how much time and like just time on your own were you just hammering out those skills and like what did your kind of workout regimen look like skill wise when you were growing up? Right. So I actually never even thought about it as a work ethic because for me, it was always so fun. You, you hear the word work and it's like, you know, it's, it sounds like a job, like you have to actually like, oh, I have to do something. For me, it was never work ethic. It was always, I want to. And it was always so much fun that I, I never didn't have my stick in my hand. You know, there was, there was times where I would bring it to the dinner table. Like I would, I'd get a new pair of goggles and be so excited that I would sleep with them on when I was younger. Like it, for me, it wasn't a work ethic, but I was still doing it every day because of that passion and because of that just fun and, and whatever. Um, but yeah. So would you work with somebody? Was it on your own? Did you work with your dad or uh, how did it mostly, start? Mostly I was, I was working with my dad a little bit. Um, you know, I really trusted him and saw what he did on the field, uh, watching him play. And um, it would be with him a lot, but honestly, it was, it was more of just like whenever I can get a group of friends or my, my family barbecues, whatever, it was like, hey, like, let's play mini sticks. Like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And, you know, you're messing around the backyard. It's okay to throw a toe drag and drop it once in a while. So, like, yeah. you just try a bunch of new things. And I think that that really helped me, um, you know, not only become the player that I did, but also learn to enjoy the game, which I think is super special. 
on and you know if you can get that more in that next generation coming up i think a lot of them think about it right now is as a job and i think that their parents are you know pushing them to do all this work but they should they should want to do it and that's my experience so i feel like i want to you know kind of recreate that whole image of lacrosse in general for the next generation like hey this is this is something you do because you love it and because you have fun doing it right was there a moment uh maybe in middle school even uh that you realize you're like i want to pursue lacrosse and or like hey i'm good at lacrosse and i want to pursue this was there a moment i honestly don't even i feel like it was the second i picked up a stick um that i really want to do it i i do remember lake placid back when my dad used to play um i used to go with all my cousins because my uncle played and whatever and we had all our friends whose dads were also on the team and we would go to the side and we would take a mini stick net and we would take our fiddle sticks and we would be like to the other kids whose dads were playing our dads we'd be like hey let's scrimmage and we would just go out and i would just have so much fun and i'm and i'm out there you know there's like 10 of us and i'm probably the only girl on the field scoring most of the goals and yeah. I just knew, I was like, this, yeah, this is where I'm confident. This is what I love to do. Like, I can totally see myself, you know, playing at that next level. Um, and then I guess as I got older, I was like, hey, like, I kind of have a knack for this. And I love it so much. I want to be around it. I want to show other people and the next generation how much fun it is. And that's what kind of got me into into coaching. And I think Reggie Thorpe was also a huge part of that, being my coach for four years at Syracuse. You know, he showed me not just the X's and O's, but he showed me the connection that you can make with your with your players and like how much you can actually impact their lives. And and that was huge for me. And he gave me a bunch of confidence in that. And and the reason I'm a coach today, I think, could go to the credit would be to my dad and, and to Reggie Thorpe. Love that. Yeah, Reggie's the man. I, I, I truly love that guy and his just sort of love for the game uh truly uh rolls over to all his players did you play any other sports or was it you were sort of lacrosse specific i played field hockey in high school um but i always knew it was like for fun you know we had our summer leagues that i'd go to and there was um there was a couple of coaches on the sideline that were like club field hockey coaches and they'd be like hey like why don't you come play club for me over the summer and i was like nope i'm good like lacrosse is my passion i i play field hockey for fun but i i really do love lacrosse and but I also, again, think, you know, that you translate a little bit, you know, um, when it comes to just like, it's like the hand-eye coordination and all that stuff. Um, I never played basketball because I wasn't that good at shooting, but I definitely love the game so much. And I think that also translate over to lacrosse. You know, you watch all these guys playing box lacrosse all the time and it's all pick and rolls and flips and fake flips and all that stuff. And I really love that. And I think it's a huge part of my game and also what I'm trying to bring now to Colorado is that, that style of two men and, and whatever. So um, those are the only other sports that I would really consider. But again, lacrosse was always the main sport, always came back to lacrosse. Talk a lot about like wanting to give back to like the next generation, obviously getting into coaching, you're doing exactly that. But if you kind of look back and like talk to yourself at, at 12, 13 years old, put yourself in your shoes in like your own shoes again, what would you kind of tell yourself to do the same or do differently just based on what you've gone through so far? Um, that's a tough one. I mean, I would definitely tell myself to like continue just loving the game and don't forget your why. Right. Like, um, as I went through, you know, college, there were some points where I was like, it, it, it was always fun. I was always with my best friends and I always wanted to work hard for them, but there were some moments where I was like, wow, like this is pretty tough. Like, whatever, whatever. But then you got to think about it and you got to remember your why, like, why, like I'm not here because 
I have to be. I'm here because I want to be. And, and sometimes you just got to remember that. So I think um, looking back at my younger self, I would be like, I would tell myself, just always remember your why. Always remember these moments that you're having in your backyard on the beach and, and whatever with the, your mini stick in your hand and, and the smile on your face. Like that's, that's definitely something that I would hope that everyone can remember. You talked about like certain points in college where it got tough for you. What was it that kind of got tough for you and kind of what were some of the, the roadblocks that you dealt with at college and kind of how'd you get through those and how'd you deal with those? Yeah. So college, like in general, I mean, we've obviously all been through it here, but um, you know, I think in general, it's, it's a tough spot, whether you're an athlete or not, you're kind of trying to find your own, who you are. You're trying to find who you are and you're trying to find your own perspective on life. You know, you grow up in a house with your parents and like, it's kind of, their ways are your ways but now you're off on your own and you're trying to figure out all of that stuff so I think that alone is difficult and that now you throw in being a student athlete on top of it um it definitely works as an outlet and it's again somewhere fun to go but I think also just trying to find who you are is is you know like a struggle within itself um and I think my sophomore year I lost my grandfather and that was really that was really hard on me and it was right before fall ball and I remember going to the run test like a week after his death and being like, you know, just upset and whatever. And I was nervous for the run test on top of all that anxiety. And then just being like kind of letting loose and being with my teammates and, and being with them and hearing them cheer for me, it was like, it wasn't even a problem um, struggle wise. But I think just in general that year, trying to find out um, who I was, losing my grandfather, which was the first time I lost somebody that was close to me. And also that was the year that Kayla Trainer had graduated. So now, that's when everything shifted. And, and again, I went through that struggle of trying to, uh, you know, um, shift my game from being that outside shooter to now having to adapt to something different and to a new type of offense, because every year, you know, your offense is different every year. Um, and trying to now adjust to that, adjust with playing different with different people and, and just a different style because of our personnel. Like that was, that was kind of a struggle, but I, I do think that, you know, my coaches and my teammates really helped me through that. So it wasn't, as bad but um definitely a little bit of a sophomore slump there what about um so you've, you've mentioned Kayla Trainer a couple times obviously it sounds like she was probably a role model mentor for you what do you admire most about her just outside of her obviously being a great role model like talk talk about her as a teammate a little bit or just a mentor for you her leadership her leadership was huge um I can actually tell you like a little bit of a funny story not to throw myself under the bus but I was a freshman in college, you know, I was, I was getting my work done in the classroom, but probably not to the standard that I could have been. And I remember her sitting down with me and I'm like, oh, she's my friend, whatever. And I remember her getting real serious and being like, hey, like, you're being selfish. You need to do what you need to do in the classroom in order for us to be successful on the field. And kind of just guiding me through that and, and knowing that in order to be successful, like, you can't just pick one, you can't just pick one, um, aspect of your life to be successful if you want to be successful you got to stride and be the best you can in every aspect of life and I think that she she really instilled that leadership kind of role and mentorship in me and that conversation after that it was like a flip switch and I was like you know what you're right and like I, just so much respect for her as a player and but mostly as a person um she she really inspired me to be like a leader throughout my next three years at Syracuse and eventually a captain my friend my uh, senior year um a lot of like struggles that we like face as captains I kind of would put myself in a situation and be like all right what what would Kayla have done and and you know that's kind of 
that's kind of how I went through that year. And I, I do think that's why we were so successful my freshman year is because of our leadership as a whole. And I think that's why, you know, we were successful the years to come because it all comes down to that leadership. You know, every team at that level is going to be successful. Every team's going to have, um, not successful, sorry. Every team's going to have their stick skills. Every team's going to have their like three or four like top players. But what comes really down to who's going to win a national championship, who's going to go to that final four, who's going to succeed on the field, comes down to team culture. And I think Kayla, as an individual, but also that senior class my freshman year, really did a great job of instilling a tremendous team culture. And, and that goes back to Reggie Thorpe as well, is just like you wanting to succeed, you wanting to be your best because of that person next to you. So I'm trying to be my best as they're trying to be theirs. And we just kind of work hard for each other. And I think that's super important to wanting to get to that championship that final four it it's going to all come down to your your team culture right uh you talked about culture and i guess from learning from uh kayla i you go through it in college it's like you have that culture piece you're like oh this is what you're doing you follow the uh, the seniors and then when you get to be a senior like all right everybody's following us like we have to obviously instill it in everybody so did the culture piece change at all from when you were a freshman to when you were a senior was it harder uh, on you? To, did it affect your game at all? I guess you can talk on that culture piece, how it developed over the four years. Definitely. I think, um, you know, like I said before, every, every year, every team is different. Um, different personnel, different schemes, different, different everything, sometimes different coaches. So you really have to adjust. Um, and I think, <clears throat> sorry, I think that, I think that it's super important to always just have that, that sense of leadership. Um, and I think through my years, we, we definitely dipped. And you can see, like, my sophomore, junior year, we, my, we didn't go as far as we would have hoped to go. Um, but, again, my, my freshman and senior year, we did. And I really do think it all comes down to that, that leadership and, and, you know, who, who the team is going to look up to and trust. And it's all about that trust. And you got to trust your coaches and trust your teammates. And I think that um, we really had that, my, you know, my, my freshman and senior year especially. What do you think was like the biggest difference between your freshman senior year to like your sophomore junior year when you guys dipped? Like what kind of sticks out to you as like a person on the team, obviously big role on the team. Like what kind of sticks out that was different between those sophomore junior years? Um, personally, I, I, uh, personally, I think that it, it was like the roles changing, you know, that my freshman year we lost a like a bunch of the seniors who were playing major roles in, in our game and we kind of had rebuilding years a little bit my sophomore junior year back until my senior year so it was definitely like personnel building wise and stuff like that but um I don't know I, I feel like our our cultures were the same my freshman and senior year I feel like everybody wanted to be at practice everybody wanted to be there everybody wanted to work hard um where I feel like my sophomore, junior year, it was a little bit of a struggle sometimes. And there was like other outside, you know, conflicts and stuff like that. But I really think my freshman year and my senior year, we were so successful because of our culture and because everybody just loved each other as a whole and wanted to work hard for that person next to each other. What about, so like, with like the game growing and stuff like that, going, like bringing, trying to bring what you've learned from Syracuse to Colorado, What's been the adjustment as far as like getting to a new school, the younger program? Like, have have you noticed anything that has changed since you got there, or anything that like stuck out to you right away? Like, I kind of want to bring this from Syracuse to here, and just like kind of what's it like growing a newer program? And then I don't want to like throw too many questions at you at the same time, but like 
just like growing the game, what's kind of like the scene of like the Pac-12 women's lacrosse and just like just the scene around lacrosse from fans and younger kids and stuff like that? Right. And and so that's actually a great point. And what I think the biggest thing is, is that, is that um, you know, that confidence of being comfortable, being uncomfortable. I think playing on the East Coast, growing up on the East Coast and playing in the ACC, you know, you had it came to the point where throwing a behind the back in the middle of the game was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's normal. You should be doing that if you're in the right position. That's not really a trick shot to me anymore because it's something that everybody should kind of just develop within their game. And now I'm like, I go over to the, you know, Midwest and I'm in Colorado and some of these kids are like not really comfortable doing it. They don't feel that confidence. It's because they're not doing it every day. And I think that I, I really want them to just be, be okay with, you know, failure especially because failures you're if failure means that you at least tried right so I don't want these kids coming here and, and being afraid to try and I think a lot of them were that they were afraid you know like to throw behind the back well what if it doesn't go in well who cares if it doesn't go in you know you got to try it if you're in the right spot and, the, and it's the right time definitely try it you know um so I think that 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 was the biggest difference coming from the East Coast and now going to the Midwest and trying to grow that game is trying to grow that, again, that confidence in these kids and making sure that they know, like, I want you to be out of the box. I want you to try new things. I want you to get creative, not only because it will expand your game and it will make you a better player, but also because it'll make you have more fun and it'll help you remember your why. And then just just with like the growing the game and stuff like that, what's like the, what's the Pac-12 women's across kind of scene like? How are you guys kind of trying to grow, grow it like grassroots in the like surrounding communities like near you guys at Colorado and just kind of what's the like fan scene and stuff like that when you're playing other Pac-12 schools? Um, so unfortunately, yeah. uh, you know, our, our season got cut uh, within five games and we only played, we only played like one Pac-12 team. We only played Oregon. So I'm not really too familiar with the Pac-12 yet, but um, what I have known like noticed in my my short time there is um the atmosphere is a little different where like you go to a school like Syracuse and and the the town the community just supports lacrosse so much we're playing in the dome and you know you have kids running up to you after like signing autographs and doing press conferences and all that stuff and now you're you're now I'm out in Colorado you know it's a little bit different it's not so it's not so common for a younger kid to be playing our sport you know um so I think for us as a community and as a program is what we're trying to do is we're trying to you know we we run a couple of camps and clinics throughout the year but also like we had um I think we were playing Coastal Carolina this year and post game we had a bunch of little kids who came to the game come out onto the field and our whole team did a big clinic with them and it was only about 30 minutes but it was just a good time and and our team was able to you know converse with these young age groups and kind of mentor them and and teach them different little skills of lacrosse and hopefully that that rubs off on them and they can go home and tell their friends and be like, Hey mom, dad, I want to, you know, I want to play this sport. I want to try it. Like, and then they can get involved. Um, I think that's super important. You know, you, we want to be able to try like to pull from, you know, your local area. You look at kids in upstate New York and our entire roster was pretty much New York, some Maryland kids, but mostly, you know, mostly New York, upstate Long Island, that type of thing. When I come to Colorado, I see, you know, we have four or five kids from Colorado, but it's it's majority. We have people from all over, um, which I think is super cool. But also we want to kind of dive into that local, you know, um, local pool of recruits because it's it's convenient. And, you know, not everyone wants to go away to school. So I think it's 
important to also like dive into some of the local club teams, get involved with them and try to show them like that we can be just as good as a East Coast school. You might not have to go that far if you want to go away to school. You can come to us and, and just learn just as much and be just as, as successful. That's awesome. And just talking about growing the game and I sort of just, just picking up, you have a different style. I love the creativity. Uh, you've stuck to lacrosse and a passion of yours. Is there any bad recommendations that you've heard from maybe a coaching standpoint or uh, like a technical standpoint on the field or off the field in lacrosse that you sort of maybe not agree with? 100%. Um, I mean, that, that happens actually more often than I would have hoped. When I was going through the recruiting process, I was in about ninth grade. I was playing club lacrosse, and I had um, one of the club coaches come up to me and say, hey, you know, I don't think you should be playing sidearm. I don't think it's going to work in the, in the next level. And, and that crushed me as a, as a player. I was like, somebody I looked up to is now telling me I can't be who I am. I can't be that person as a player. And I remember being in tears after one of our tournaments and my dad coming up to me and being like, you know, don't worry about it. It's one opinion, whatever. But, you know, I think as, as a young female, especially, like I really took that to heart and it kind of shut me down for a second. Um, and then I went to a Syracuse camp and, and again, Gary said, you know, let's, let's play, let's do partner pass, let's play sidearm. And I was like, hell yeah, like, let's dive in. So um, I think you're definitely going to come across that struggles. You know, you might not always agree with your coach, but I think in the moment, and especially, and this is, comes back to also being a good leader is you might not agree with your coach, but you know, you have to kind of adjust your, your way of thinking and, and, and make sure that you stand by him and also support the best for all of your players. But um, but I think for me it was more it was more in my younger younger years of being kind of held back. I felt like. Gotcha. Yeah. Looking back, looking back too. So like in the past, I guess going through your entire years of college, past like five six years, are there any new habits that you picked up that helped you just navigate through college, or helped you as an athlete that you weren't doing before you got to college? Definitely. And that all goes to org organization, right? And then and time management. Um, I feel like you can you can go through high school and, and maybe it's just me, but you know, like, and, and kind of float through high school or skate through high school and just kind of whatever. But when you get to college, it, it comes down to who can time management well and who has the best work ethic and, and dedication and that stuff. And I think that's why that makes us as athletes just more um, ideal to have in a, in a workforce and applying for jobs, not only in the lacrosse world, but just all over because of our work ethic and because of our time management skills that we learn from being student athletes. Um, I think f for me, you know, it was, it was huge coming to that organization. I was always that kid in high school that, you know, you, you take your sheet of notes and you just shove it in your backpack. You don't care if it gets wrinkled or whatever. And I think in college, you know, you, you have to be a little bit more precise when it comes to that stuff and just, um, learning through those ways and and we had so much support at Syracuse you know we had our academics um advisors uh actually at Syracuse I can give a huge shout out to Kat Cheney who was our athletic trainer um she helped me get through so much not just injury wise but like just mental health I feel like she really helped me through and and got me to talk to people that I needed to talk and you know you have the sports psychologist which you don't really think about or even know that those exist in high school where um, you know, getting to that next level. And I think that they, all these people really helped develop me into not only the player, but more importantly, like the person that I have become. Talking about, talking about that too, just like kind of different blocks or anything that was kind of taking you down as a player. What would you say was your biggest failure that 
kind of led to success and like how did you learn from that situation hmm. biggest failure um or maybe not even failure but just like biggest kind of struggle I gotta think about that one that was pretty tough I think you know for me oh actually I got it all right so and, I, and this is what I go through with I go through with a bunch of recruits is, is I'm telling them like you want to you want to pick the spot where you're going to feel most comfortable right and if, if you look at any athlete and you say what is going to be your biggest regret you don't want to have regrets as an athlete what's going to be your biggest regret and you know people can say injury or whatever but that's not true what I think you know I think a biggest regret you can have as an athlete especially a college athlete um, is you only have four years to play the sport you want to reach your full potential so for me the biggest regret would be not reaching that full potential um, and that can come down to a number of things I can go back to you know injuries and whatever but um, I think it's super important to make sure that you're you're able to kind of realize like hey I only have four years playing the sport I'm gonna do everything I can in my power to make sure that I'm I'm ready whether it's extra film sessions with coaches whether it's you know extra reps on the field no matter what it is you want to make sure that you don't want to have that that regret I think Failure is okay. I encourage failure, right? I want you to make mistakes. I want to see how you react after you make a mistake. Are you going to hang your head on the field after, you know, a drop pass? Or are you going to work your ass off to, like, run back and ride and get the ball back for your team? I think that is the most important thing. So I don't really think failure is a problem. What I think it is is, is that, you know, you don't want to have any regrets and you want to make sure that you reach that full potential. What, uh, what injuries did you, deal, did you go through? So I had a, a couple of minor ones throughout my years. My biggest injury was definitely my, my senior year. I had surgery on my ankle in the, in the fall. My peroneal tendon was snapping, so I had a couple screws put in. Um, tried to work my way back. I'm like, hey, it's my senior year. Like, I'm, I'm going to play. I'm, I don't, I'm not redshirting, like, whatever. So I, I uh, ended up playing that season. Halfway through, I was having problems on my other foot and then kind of got to the time where, like, it was struggling. I could barely walk after games. And then, you know, I ended my senior year, unfortunately, one game short of a final four, and then went to a doctor as soon as I got home and found out that I've actually torn my plantar fasciitis on my other foot, the one that I didn't have surgery on. So it was like kind of a whole mess. So feet were definitely the worst injury, but, um, but there was also a little minor ones along the way. Yeah, I so like me personally, I did like a couple ACLs going through high school, and then last one, last one was uh, in college, kind of career ender for me. Um, but like one of my biggest regrets was just kind of like the stuff that I was was really the stuff that I wasn't doing, like while I was hurt. You know, like I was really just focusing on getting my knees back back ready and stuff like that, and kind of didn't focus as much on like the skill portion of things and just like keeping my stick work where it needed to be, or just I kind of had my pri priorities kind of off when I was kind of going through those injuries were there any like regrets with how you handled your injuries like I obviously like my first one I definitely came back too fast from it and like looking back like I just wanted to get back on the field so bad as like a young kid and obviously did wasn't really looking like bigger picture with things but just with your personal injuries and problems with injuries is there any like regrets that you kind of have that you wish you like at least that you wish you would have handled them differently definitely I um I actually do. I, I feel the same way. You know, I kind of rushed back into it, but it's hard for me to say that I regret it because it, again, it was my senior year and I wasn't trying to redshirt. And it was like, um, you know, I, maybe I could have missed the first three games. Like I definitely 
regret that a little bit because I did come back too soon. But um, stick work wise, I mean, I was on a scooter because of my ankle and I was sitting on my scooter still playing wall ball. I was in a boot. I actually went to go shoot. Um, it was a bunch of my teammates and it was just for fun. We were just messing around and I couldn't really get that step down because, and I couldn't really shoot or run because of my ankle and I was in a boot. So, but I still wanted to go and hang out. So I threw on some goalie gear and I started just taking some shots with tennis balls because it was the only way for me to play. And, and I, I don't regret that because that's actually something that I, I, I do remember. And it's a funny story to tell. And we talk about it sometimes, me and my teammates, like, they some of them thought I was crazy but like I just I miss the game so much and and I definitely don't regret regret that definitely I think uh you talked a lot about it I guess back to your like psyche of uh just your confidence and I, I truly think it's everything and how somebody develops that confidence you talked about reps is there anything that you do sort of to help your confidence whether that's I don't know you practice some sort of uh, mental stuff, but I think everybody's different. How did, how else do you improve your confidence? Yeah. So, um, to improve my confidence, I, I watch a lot of game film on myself and I, and I like will break myself down and, <clears throat> you know, sometimes I'm a little hard on myself. So what I have to do is I, I, I kind of have to, what I'll do after a game is I'll talk to my dad. If I feel like I was playing like not myself and I wasn't doing that well, whatever, I'll talk to him and he'll be honest with me, but he'll also be like, point out the positives. A lot of times if I'm, I'm very like self-critical. So if I'm watching my own game film, I might see something as negative where he can then spin it as a little bit of a positive. And I think it's finding that positivity. And like, as a coach, especially, I think it's so important for us as coaches to instill confidence into our players. Yes, they need to have that self-confidence and that will come from them doing reps and stuff. But I think, especially in the girls game, you know, like it's, we, and some people might disagree, but I think, you know, we react to, comments different than men's than men would and I think that it's important for us kind of to get as as a female coach to instill that confidence in my players what I have to make sure is like if I'm going to criticize them I make sure to throw a positive in there with them so they're not focusing just on the negatives I make sure that they they're able to see the positives and what they're doing and and how they can improve right I think that's definitely on the men's side as well so uh that sort of thing yeah it's definitely huge well, there's a, a quote, actually, my dad used to say to me all the time that I love, and it's um, the the men, when you're coaching, the men need to win in order to, ha or compete in order to have fun, when the girls just need to have fun in order to compete. And I think that's that's a little relevant, you know. Um, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. What do you think, with like, you're obviously pretty close to the men's game and the women's game. What do you think is like, the biggest difference as like if you were growing up kind of like what's the biggest positive takeaway that you got from kind of growing up playing the men's game a little bit that kind of helped you obviously besides just the outside shot but how did that help like translate to the women's game I think it's again that that creative style you know there was a couple of times where I would throw I would take one hand and cradle kind of like a guy and be okay with it like if I'm gonna set up a dodge I'm not just gonna like hold my stick straight up and down I'm gonna hold it one end like you know one hand on my on my butt end, one hand like really close to my head, and I'm gonna run up to a to somebody and like get that jump stop dodge really quickly. Um, but I think mostly, and and this is kind of it might be a little bit obvious, but it's the the physicality of the game in general. You know that you have these kids, especially growing up in in places that might not be as lacrosse oriented, like a lot of the southern places. I mean, you got Maryland, you have New York, you have you know, all these upstate, you have all these places that are really lacrosse heavy and it's kind of like 
you know, the hotbeds for it. But then what about the kids that are in Georgia and Florida and, and whatever? And they're not, the refs there might not be as lenient with some of these Long Island schools. So we can get a little bit more physical. But you take a kid from Georgia who's not used to getting hit so much and they're kind of flopping all over the place, dropping the ball, bobbling it like that. I think for me, playing with that physicality of the men's game really taught me how to stand my ground, how to take the contact and use the contact, right? To kind of like what I would do is being, if I was ever around the crease as a crease attacker, I would let let the defenders, you know, make contact. I would lean into them, use their push then back off me to get that to free my hands, to get that separation, to lean back and then be able to shoot off my back foot in tight. Um, so I think the physicality was definitely huge for me and, and learning to deal with that contact and play through the contact and actually want to have that contact while I was playing offense and while I had the ball. Do you, do you, coach, do you coach that at all to like your, the girls that you're coaching now? All the time all the time we actually we have um we have something we call shooting squad and it's like three times a week and, and the girls will come and we'll do different drills and we use the football pads where I'll be standing you know at, on the crease basically and have them kind of run into me I'll push off and really like give them a nice jab and have them kind of take that drop step almost like a fade away again relating to basketball where they'll fade away and then be able to take a shot as they're freeing their hands away from the defender but using that contact I think it's super super important and then talking about like practice too, kind of. So a lot of athletes probably at home right now, just do a lot of them just working on their own. If you had four hours a week only to train and prepare for lacrosse, how would you allot that time? And what would you be doing if you only had four hours in a week? Yep. So this is perfect. And this comes to actually club lacrosse. And I learned this from a coaching club with my dad. He actually runs a club team here on Long Island at Legacy. And, um, you know, you have four, if you have four hours with, with a group of girls, you're probably not gonna be able to condition them into any type of shape. So I, my advice to coaches doing that is to stay away from the conditioning. If you're gonna have four hours, focus on their skill. They can condition on their own and do whatever, but what you really have to dial into is making sure that everyone's working on their skill, working on their IQ, doing drills like that. You can be game ready and in shape by just running through a bunch of drills. You don't need to necessarily be like, especially in the club world, you have two practices a week, don't make them get on the line, don't have them run sprints. It's, you're not helping anybody. Um, I think uh, it's real, again, it's really important just to focus on that skill. If you're gonna have a limited amount of time, that is the most important piece. And by working on that skill and doing a bunch of man up drills, especially, you can really shift that, that IQ and like transition drills and having the players kind of just be able to repeat repetitive and be repetitive about these uh, transitions so when it happens in a game they'll know what to do and it'll just be like automatic for them because they they'll, they'll be able to see it in their head and that and that comes down to that IQ but again you know you're not you're, you're running a club team you're running a club program you have two practices a week you're not conditioning anybody so stay away from those those sprints how much how much conditioning do you guys do at Colorado versus just trying to implement it into just straight lacrosse because I mean in college, you obviously have a little bit of a time constraint on how much time you can be practicing and spending on different things. How do you guys kind of look at that? Right. So, um, I mean, we definitely do our, our fair share of conditioning. But again, what we what we really focus on is are these, um, you know, high, high active like drills and fast paced drills. The faster paced the drills are, the more out of shape they'll um, the more in shape they'll become. But also they're, they're focusing then, I feel like maybe this is just me, but as a player, when we were, you, okay, you put your stick down, you get on the line, you're running, and that's great mental toughness, and you're, you know, because you're thinking about it, but you put your stick in your hand and you start running up and down the field, 
um, doing transition drills and you're not even thinking about it because you're sticks in your hand, you're having fun because you're playing your sport, but you're also, you're, you're conditioning. And, and that's when you come into like game shape. And I don't think, I think game shape can't really be mimicked through conditioning drills. I think it's kind of just through lacrosse drills in order to be in game shape. What's your, what's your favorite drill to, to do on your own? Do you have like some type of like staple routine where it's like every time you go out on a field by yourself, you're, you're doing X or you're doing Y? Um, I do actually. And, and super important for anybody learning, trying to learn sidearm is uh, when I was younger, I used to do it all the time is I would take my, my dad or I, you know, grew up with sisters who played lacrosse. So I would have them just hold their stick out in front of me and I would make sure that I can just shoot under them. So um, just to work on that form and like kind of closing of the wrist to make sure that I'm able to get that riser low to high and whatever. So that's definitely what I do, like just step downs. But I mean, it's, it's pretty much like, that's when it kind of goes back to the basics. So what I'll do is I'll one knee shooting. So you put, you know, uh, your opposite foot, your opposite leg, your knee up and one knee on the ground and you just work on that rotation. And, you know, we call it, uh, I actually, I call it kiss the guns, right? So if you take your bottom hand and you make a muscle, and you want to make sure that you get your arms up and away so that you're kissing the guns up here rather than kind of getting the shoot here. And, uh, you know, I'm huge with analogies too. So I talk about shooting and I teach shooting all the time because it was one of my strengths. But I, t I, I love to use the analogy of a slingshot. So it's like my body is a slingshot and all my core muscles and, and my, my leg muscles, my arm muscles, those are all the rubber bands in a slingshot. So if I pull a slingshot back and I don't really stretch the rubber bands, it's not going to go very hard. It's not going to go very fast. But if I really feel that stretch and I reach back and I pull those rubber bands, then you're going to get a, a much faster, harder like shot. So it's the same thing in lacrosse. If my body is that slingshot, all those core, if I don't feel my core or my arms or my legs stretch before I'm taking a shot, I'm not ready to shoot and it's not going to be as hard as I want. That's a great point. Like it. I like it. What about so if you're someone being the Midwest, it's obviously hard. Like as a young lacrosse player, probably less resources than if you're on the East Coast. Are there any? Do you have any like favorite social media accounts that you get the most value out of, out of, or that you would like suggest following for for someone that doesn't have as many great coaches around, like someone like yourself? Definitely. I mean, um, I, I do follow Shake School. I think Shake School is awesome. Um, but a lot of a lot of what I do like too is um, Dana Doby and Jen Adams, the Loyola staff. They actually have their own training account, and um, I believe uh, it's Seven Lax Training, something like that, on Instagram. And I think they have great drills, and it's it's all out of the box. It's all what I love, um, and I really respect everything they do. So I try to watch a lot of that. Do you have any, do you have any favorites for like outside like the skill portion? You've talked a lot about like confidence and just like mental training. Do you have any like favorite, like kind of mental accounts or like people that you get inspiration from? Yeah, um, I do. I, I read, I don't read often, but when I do, it's, it's John Gordon. I like, I love what he's about. The fact that he was a lacrosse player himself at Cornell is huge. So um, I do, I, I follow him and I, I listen to his podcast. I, you know, I read a lot of his books if I can and, and I try to learn as much as I can from him and just as a person and uh, that type of stuff and more of the cultural aspect to the game. Um, I think that is huge. And, and I'll, take, I'll take some of his books sometimes. And if I have a player that like might need to read a certain book, I'll, I'll pass it out. And my books have all, I, whenever I go through the books, um, whether it's a plane ride or, or whatever, a bus trip, I have his book and a highlighter and I highlight my favorite points of it. And then I'll, I'll give that book to a player and be like, Hey, focus on this, these points. Um, so. If you had to, if you had to just off the top of your head, make like a, a little, we all know spark notes going back to the day of just 
crushing books for English class and just reading Spark Notes. If you just had to kind of list some of your biggest takeaways from from John Gordon, what would you what would you kind of put on there? Um, I would definitely put uh, like all of his team culture stuff that he talks about. Um, you know, his book "You Win in the Locker Room First, I think is huge for any any leader, not only captain but a leader in general. Um, he talks a lot about how to win over a team and like gain trust and and all that stuff. And he he does talk about he I think he calls it like the seven C's and it's uh you know his confidence and all that stuff. Um, I would definitely like look into those chapters of those those two books. That's awesome. Uh, you talk about growing the game, and I guess for you uh, being out there, uh, where do you see lacrosse in ten years? And uh, if you had the unlimited resources, uh, what would you get? What would you do to get to that point uh, at which you would love to see lacrosse at in ten years? Um, yeah, so I think you know we, we're starting. Obviously, we have like the PLL, the WPLL, and, and that's that's all great. I think. But there's no, you know, there's in the women's side, at least there's, I don't know, four or five teams. There's no, there's no Midwest team. Um, I think that would be super cool to throw that in there. Um, I think that would be, that would be really important. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, they, like me personally too, especially with my injury my senior year and not actually making it to the WPLL like that I would have hoped is just like knowing that you're, so you're only going to have these four years. What can you do with those four years? And I think, um, to, in order to grow the game, not everyone's going to get to the WPLL, but I think if you can do the most you can through your college career and, and do whatever you got to do. And, and, you know, like I, not to point myself out, but you, you see like people on sports center, you know, Kylie O'Miller has been on there and, and all that stuff. You, if we can get ourselves to be doing more creative things, like throwing it through her legs, throwing it behind the back and getting that recognition from sports center of all, of all, you know, accounts, like that, that's huge for just growing our game in general. Um, besides the fact of creating this professional league and trying to grow it more, more West and more towards us in Colorado, because again, it's, it's, you look at the teams and it's all East coast. Right. So if you had the unlimited resources, how would you uh, go about doing that? In terms of helping. The funding, I would, I would probably try to, you know, start that, um, start a, start another team, maybe a California team, maybe a Midwest team and, and trying to grow that. Um, I would definitely encourage people, more people to go to Lake Placid and play in Lake Placid. I know it's only like one week, one weekend, but it's a great time. And it's, it's, again, it, it's, it helps you like kind of remember your why, because you're there not only to play lacrosse with all your friends, but you're there to compete and have fun and, and, and all that stuff. So I think if I had unlimited resources, I would definitely like start more programs out West and kind of do that. Um, and maybe even more tournaments out West. Cause you look at all these tournaments and, and we're traveling constantly to the East coast. We're going to Jersey, Philly, Delaware, you know, all that stuff, but no one's really coming out towards us for these big tournaments. You know, you see, you see California club teams, Colorado club teams, um, Midwest club teams all over the East coast, but you never see those East coast teams coming out to us. And I think that would be super cool, especially because of just like how much field space we would have and how many like different activities it would be for other people. Like I talked about Lake Placid, but in Colorado, we actually have our own, there's another tournament out there and it's a Vail tournament. And it's, it's very similar to Lake Placid, like an adult league, like just fun and, and lacrosse and people all over, but not many people know about it because lacrosse is such an East coast dominant sport. Mm -hmm. You talked about kind of feeling like you got snubbed from the WPLL a little bit. sounds like, are you still, 
are you still working to try to come back into the game or like how are you still putting time into lacrosse and like what are you what are you doing um just as far as like still playing and like still trying to keep the game in your life outside of just coaching Absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, I would, I would love to, uh, to join the WPL if someone was want to pick me up. I mean, I would, even if it was just for a, for a man up squad, you know, I would do it just for that outside shot. But, um, but I think, you know, I, as an athlete in general, graduating college, you know, you spend four years working so hard, it's, it's hard to kind of just drop off and, and not do anything. So I'm still staying active. I'm still, you know, working out, going for my runs, but, um, my as a coach my stick's always in my hand so I, I jump in drills with my players all the time if if they need to, like help I'll be on the scout team if I really need to whatever I can do so I I try to continue to play and, and if it were to happen it, great but if not I you know um just being in Colorado and being with my own team and being able to play and practice and stuff is is a lot of fun so that's all right awesome Awesome. Any, uh, anything you've kind of, since Corona started, is there anything that you've kind of implemented into your life that you weren't doing like before quarantine or anything like that, that has kind of helped you, whether it be time management or just with, as a coach, anything that you've started doing that you're going to keep doing after Corona or that you wouldn't have had the opportunity if it wasn't for quarantine? Um, I mean, I guess I, I have more time on my hands to be like a little bit more creative and I'm definitely watching more videos and more film than I, than I would have been. So trying to like take drills from other coaches and kind of trying to morph them into like my own and how they can fit within our team and our strengths and weaknesses, trying to do more stuff like that. But, um, but really, I guess, you know, as, as a college coach, you don't really get weekends in the summer cause you're constantly recruiting. So I, I, you know, guilty as charged, I've been enjoying those on, on the boat. But, yeah. Yeah. What are, what's like, what do you think you have to improve as the most as a coach? And like, how do you think about that? And how do you kind of recognize those things and try to work on those things? Uh, so actually, I, I realized this within the first two games is uh, one, starters as a coach, it's, it's really hard because as a player, you, you're more in control. You're actually on the field with the ball doing things. Like there was times I'm on the sideline, like tight in a game. If it's a one goal game, I'm like, oh, just, like I just want to get on the field and just do it. Um, and I think that's a hard adjustment. Um, but I also think, you know, like what I really need to learn and be better at is just like uh, kind of relating to some of the players. Like again, coming from the East Coast, coming from an ACC team, sometimes I expect them to just know what what I want from them or what they should be doing in situations where realistically they, they don't and they're not me and I have to know that and I have to know that again and it goes back to that whole outside shooting not everybody can do that and I have to as a coach kind of see that and know that and and be okay with it which I am okay with it because I'm so about player identity and being who you are on the field and and finding your strengths and weaknesses and, and making sure that you can be your best um but I think as a coach like that's the you know the biggest struggle of mine that I have to get better with is kind of knowing knowing personnel and knowing like hey this person is not me they're not gonna they might not be able to do this or like right now might not be the time and just kind of being like okay with that and and, and adjusting and and finding different ways for them which is like it's fun for me because it's almost like a puzzle like trying to find out different ways for them to succeed that's different than me and different me as a player 
What have uh, what have your goals? Were you like a big goal setter through like high school and college? And like, have you are you a big goal setter as a coach? And how have your goals kind of evolved throughout your career? Uh, definitely. I mean, my goals have have not changed since the time I was in high school, college, and now as a coach. You know, it all comes down to I don't I do not care at all about personal accolades. You know, I couldn't I couldn't care less what I really wanted was I always wanted a championship. I wanted in high school, I wanted a state championship, a county championship college. You want that national championship, that ACC championship. And now as a coach, it's the same thing. I want that PAC 12 championship. I want to see my players succeed. I, I want them. And it's not for me. It's, it's for them. I want to be able to help them so that they can experience that championship game format. And I want them to be able to go to a PAC 12 and them to be going to a, you know, a national tournament. Um, but so the, the, the goals are really the same, but um, I also think it's super important, you know, you, you take a mountain and you're just looking at the top of a mountain, you're going to trip on the potholes in, right in front of you, right? So what I do think is super important is when you're setting goals is not to just look at the big picture. Like every, every team shows up that first game of the, or first day of the season or first practice of the season and they all say, hey, I, I, like we're going to win a national championship this year. Like that's great. But you and, and 50 other, you know, 50 other schools are saying the same thing. What you have to focus on is making sure that you're just getting better every day. Right. And you don't you don't want to um, you don't want to just focus on that one national championship because it's it's going to take a lot of steps for you to get there. It's not going to be just an easy coasting ride and just you're not just going to get there just to get there. Right. You're going to have to work hard throughout the entire season, throughout the entire off season in order to get there. So I think setting goals, it's super important to make sure that you're setting them on a day to day basis and and uh, kind of keeping track of each game as they come and not just that that overall championship. I guess sort of pivoting, but uh, is there anything maybe as a player and as a coach that sort of keeps you up at night? Maybe that makes you feel overwhelmed or sort of unfocused. Uh, and what would you like to do to sort of uh, help yourself get over it? Yeah, I think I, you know, again, as a as a player, as a coach, like as an athlete in general and a, and a competitor in general, you're always gonna have those little regrets and what could I have done differently and and all of that stuff. But I think it's super important not to dwell on it so much um you can you know you can let that eat you alive or you can just get out there and work harder and and next time it happens don't make the same mistake you know so you definitely want to learn from from those um those regrets but you don't want to dwell on them where they're keeping you they're keeping you up at night as as much as you could i know it's a lot easier said than done but right. um trying to really just focus on you know the next the next day you're going to have another game or you're going to have another practice you know just trying to focus on um the positives rather than the negatives is there anything, if you are feeling like overwhelmed or anything about like any regrets or anything like that, is there anything that you do to kind of help yourself kind of like de-stress, unwind outside of just picking up a stick and playing the cross? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's always important to not just have one hobby, like especially as an athlete, if, if lacrosse is going to be your entire life, it, it, there's, you know, there's a very strong possibility that it's going to end sometime. So you got to make sure that it's like, you want to have fun and enjoy it while it lasts, but also know that there's so much more to life um, than just lacrosse. So, you know, you want to find those other things that it, you enjoy being with your friends, you know, other activities. Like for me, it's, you know, I, I love fishing. I love, you know, being on my boat. I love being with my friends and, and stuff like that. So I mean, yes, I, I will take my boat to the beach and probably bring a fiddlestick with me. 
but again, it's a different environment when you're just playing for fun rather than when you're playing with refs and a crowd and, and pressure. You, you know, you're on the beach with a fiddle stick. There's, there's no pressure there. So um, I think, although it is still, you know, it is still playing lacrosse to kind of relieve that stress, you know, it's, it's a different form of lacrosse and a different environment where that pressure is just kind of lifted and you can just have as much fun as you did when you were a kid and when you started playing. Yeah, I'm a, I don't know. This is, I, we haven't really asked we haven't asked anyone this question before, but you obviously have talked a lot about just like kind of taking a different perspective to the game and just like being more creative and stuff like that. Do you have any like absurd habits or any like habits that are like kind of seen as like crazy from anyone else that you are like a passionate believer in? Um, I mean, I don't know if it's uh. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's, it's maybe everybody who thinks this, but I've definitely come across people who think that, uh, I got to rephrase this. I got to be smart about this. Sorry, guys. Um, all right. So I, I believe face guards are a very, you know, controversy, uh, aspect to our game. And I think the more involved you can be, the better. I think the reason a team is going to face guard you is because they don't want you to touch the ball. So why would you not want to then, you know, like kind of get, you want to get the ball, not, not for me, if I'm getting face guard, it's not for me to get the goal. It's not for me to run through three people to score. It's for me to get the ball. So now their defense has to be like, you know, like, Oh, Oh crap. Everyone turns their heads and now I can find that backside or, or draw a quick slide. Um, so I think being face guarded in, you know, against any team, it's super important to stay involved and set picks for your teammates and just be, be like, be annoying, right? You just want to be annoying and, and be a nuisance and just kind of like, you know, mess with the defenders on the other team. If, if they're going to face guard you, why can't I get open? Why can't I get the ball? Why can't I get my teammates open? That sort of thing. And I think that can be a little bit of a controversy um, topic, but that that's my belief. And I think if any of my players are ever face guarded, I'm going to make sure that they are staying involved and setting picks for their teammates and, and not just standing at the 30. I completely agree. You got to be involved. Mm-hmm. Got to be involved. Um, um, little, just to kind of close up here a little bit, if you could kind of just leave some, some words of wisdom we've been asking everyone, if you could put a quote or put something on a billboard for billions of people to see everywhere, would you put on the billboard? Be comfortable being uncomfortable. Try to get out of that comfort zone. I like it. I like it. You mentioned that a couple of times. Definitely, definitely helps and not just lacrosse, but just life in general. Um, anything, anything you think we should ask you or anything you wish you that we should ask you that you kind of think you'd like to talk about? I don't know. I think, I think that was pretty much it. Pretty much it? Yeah. Connor, anything else? Anything else from you? Um, no, I think this was great. Uh, I thought this was awesome, Nicole. I think uh, you dropped a lot of knowledge on all of us, and uh, excited to post this. But uh, this was great. So thank you. Awesome. Anytime. I really appreciate you guys having me on and a part of this. I'm excited for you guys and to see how it, you know, grows through the island, especially being from here and like having a dad who's still so involved with everything that's going on. Yeah, definitely, definitely exciting to see. We'll, I mean, we'll see what happens, but we're uh, we're doing our best. We're gonna give it all we got, and uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what happens with you out out in Colorado. Wish you the best, and I mean, team. yep, and we'll support you in any way possible. So uh, we really appreciate your uh, support as well. So uh, thanks again. Awesome, thank you guys. Awesome, thank you.